Okay, so today I thought it might be interesting to kind of flip the script a little bit instead of recording this audio for my audience as your coach. I brought on my coach, Danny Vale. Say hello, Danny. <laughs> hey, what's going right. on, folks? All right, I want to introduce Danny to everybody. Uh, you know, one thing that uh, I think we're really on the same page about here, most coaches or personal trainers have had no experience whatsoever with being overweight or obese. They have no idea the obstacles that people They're have all to... all former athletes. Right. Dad, mom and dad were in good shape. Right. They had all the hiking and biking things they did as a kid. Yeah. And, uh, naturally lean, eat naturally, whatever they want, yeah. have no idea how they got the result. Didn't really do yeah, anything to yeah, get the result. You know, just kind of look over and just shrug and say, you know, I guess it's good genetics, which is <laughs> terribly unhelpful for everybody else that does not have said good genetics. Well, it's fit people trying to teach fat people, you know, and it, right. the information just doesn't carry over. I lost over 65 pounds, maintained that for more than five years now. What is your backstory, okay, so your history? Mine, what did you do? So mine, uh, mid-30s, after having a relatively, uh, I had a retail job, retail management, very active, always on my feet 10, 12 hours a day, and it turned out that uh, over time, I let things slide, but it wasn't until my mid-30s that I went, and I was, I I like saying I was 300 pounds in rounds, so I'm six foot tall, uh, medium frame, so uh, it didn't set relatively well, and when I could count my third chin, I knew I had a problem. <laughs> but when you spend 10, 12 hours a day on your feet, I worked in a parts store, so heavy stuff, and I thought I was active, I thought I was doing things right, and I realized that either I'm going to have to do something for myself and get myself squared away, or I'm going to have to listen to a doctor oh, who's going to put me on so on a diet, he's going to put me on some prescription medication, and that's the way my life's going to be. Hey, hey good morning. So that's uh, so that's when I kind of had to make a change. So I actually went from 300 pounds to about 190, but I did most of my time doing cardio, really focusing on getting my diet right, and that did exactly what it's going to do. But the problem is that I found is that athletic person, that muscularity, that 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 definition that you want, that you. You kind of envision being under all that fat. It's there if you build it, but if you don't and you do what I did, which is mostly concentrate on burning calories and and being consistent, which I I did find some success by finding a lot of failure. But then it turned out that I had like this big hole under my ribs where a meal should go, and I had to (laughs) kind of start doing what I should have done to begin with, which is do some strength training. So that's kind of... So I've I've pretty much found some of the good ways to get around issues and problems, mostly because I found all the wrong ways of doing it. So I found all the answers by process of elimination. So kind of tough. Yeah, no joke. All right, so you are a certified personal trainer. Yep. And what we have in front of us here is my Tanita body scan that I just did. And... I just want to go over the numbers here, if you can sort of explain what we're looking at by the scan. Okay. And uh, I'll tell you what I'm doing, Okay. what my goal is, and then maybe you can help me troubleshoot and figure out what should I do more of, less of, right. or just stay and the course. And just, and just for the, you know, for a point of fact, both of us have been on this journey for a while, so we're <laughs> right. kind of looking at some fine-tuning results. So this is a... Now this isn't just happen to be where you're starting from. Right. This is it, this is Step well into well into the process yeah. of being on a routine and trying to fine tune. Well, that being said, it is an up and down over several years. Of course, of course. Um, so it, right. just in the past twelve weeks, mm-hmm. I've dropped eight pounds of body fat. I went from two hundred eight with eighteen uh, percent. Yeah, eighteen yeah. percent. 
down to so currently. Right, so right now you're sitting at two. Uh, we'll just round up and call it a 200 pounds at 15.1 percent body fat. So okay. that uh, mathing that out, you know, we're looking at 30 pounds of body fat and 161 pounds of muscle mass. So if you add the bone mass to that, we're talking about lean mass is sitting about 170 pounds. Right. BMI. If you cared, which we really don't. Yeah, I, I mean, don't. BMI is kind of set up for insurance companies and military to make sure, essentially, that if you have, if you're a younger person and you have a BMI of under 25, that that means through basic training, they're probably going to be able to get you into fighting combat ready shape. I heard that BMI was actually created to purposely misclassify people to inflate the number of overweight people in America because well, there's funding for research for that. Well, there's funding for research for that and also if you're going to take a look at the broader scope of it is it's really to kind of long-term triage metabolic uh, diseases. So things like high blood pressure, stroke, uh, uh, and even things like dementia and things like that over time. So if you're under a 25, you're having a, a, a very low, you maintain under a 25, you have a very low probability between 25 and 30, you're considered overweight. And that is just a rough way of putting that you're at a higher risk. But then after above 30, you have obesity 1, 2, and 3, which is really just an exponential increase in metabolic factors. So it, it, it doesn't really matter much. I mean, if it's one thing that you can track if you're worried about, say, I have a history of heart disease. I have a history of diabetes. It can be something that you can kind of use as a, uh, you know, kind of as a way of seeing which way the wind's blowing. And that way... It, it can give you something to track if you care, but generally speaking, you know, 200 pounds and you're roughly six foot tall, that can look a variety of different ways, all according to your fat and muscle composition. Right. And not only pounds of lean muscle mass, but how developed is, is that muscle? I mean, yeah. do we have, does it have strength? Does it have endurance? Uh, or is it just not fat? So the 200 pounds. That's really the 200 pounds, and as you, and as you are as a male, mm-hmm. that's really what makes a difference. So my, so my current goal is to drop down to about 12 percent in the next few months. I'm going to Cancun in September. Okay, uh, right after my daughter gets married. So I got like a whirlwind week coming up in September, and I really want to. You know, be looking and feeling my best because these are big events in my life that are about to take place. So we got four. So we're talking about four. We're talking about four, four months. months. And you know, the way I'm looking at it, I got one of two options. Mm-hmm. I can try to maintain my current body weight, drop to 12 percent, which means I'm going to lose about six pounds of body fat and gain about six pounds of muscle at the same time. Right. Or what would be a little easier, in my opinion, would be to just maintain the muscle that I have, drop down six pounds of body fat, and come in at around 194 with 12% body fat. All I'm looking for is a little more definition, just a little more. You know, I've got this kind of spare tire in the midsection that's like the last 10 pounds I'm trying to overcome. And so that's, you know, that's what's going on right now. But as far as the training protocol, I'm hitting the weights six days a week. I'm doing about 30 30 minutes. Uh, Cardio in the morning, that's up to almost an hour now. So... It is a little excessive, but... What's what's cardio look like? Tell me me what that means. Just a three and a half miles per hour on the treadmill at a 7.5 incline. Right, right. Try to keep my hands off the handles, by the way. Right. <laughs> Every other minute. So, so you're not hanging I'm over not there just hanging taking, on for dear taking, life. Half, taking half your body weight. Right. I'm, I'm okay. actually performing the work, not okay. you know, holding on for dear life. But uh, the point behind all that is just to try to 
increase the overall calorie burn. I was doing about two miles a day, which I could get done in about 35 minutes or so. Okay. I decided to up it to from the 300 calorie burn where I was to mm-hmm. about 500 calorie burn just for the heck of it. Because I do have a little chemical assistance in the morning there, the supplements uh, that I'm well, taking right now, that's allowing me to... You know, really push yeah. that intensity a little bit higher. Well, you know, we all kind of have to, we all end up having to lean in on caffeine pre workout. Right. You know, you have to make an adaption to, uh, you know, what gets you really willing to work. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, be, being in that mindset of getting the work done is going to mm-hmm. be what gets you progress. If you're kind of dragging ass and you don't want to be here, sometimes right. you can tough yourself through that, but most of the time you're going to have medium results. So I guess my question, first question is yeah. cardio, uh, is that before, when when is that? In regards to your strength, that's, that in, before? that's in the morning in a semi-fasted state. You know, I get up in the morning, I have okay. a little bit of coffee. You know, I throw a little uh, whey protein in there just to kind of sweeten it up. Okay, not really a whole lot of calories coming in to try to capitalize on that overnight fast. And right. then my first meal will be around nine o'clock, and that's just going to be some scrambled eggs. So I'm just looking at mostly protein with a little fat. So you're still and running off of keto. So you're running off of keto, pretty much, yeah. and that's something you've done for a while. So you yeah, don't, oh, yeah. I'm you're very well fat. So you're after. not dragging there. You're not. You, so you can pull some energy out of ketones. Uh, I feel great. Yeah. Ketones aren't as great as carbohydrates, but it takes a little while if you're going to try to work out fast. It takes a little while to get used to the fact that it's not going to produce as yeah. much energy, so you're going to have to adapt to that. I pretty much stay on a ketogenic state throughout the week. Carbohydrates about 20 grams a day. Right. So what I'm doing right now is a uh, more like a carb cycling or cyclical ketogenic type approach. It's called right. the anabolic diet. Okay. Uh, this was written by Dr. Mauro De Pasquale back in the late 80s, early 90s original phase shifting diet it's pretty much like the golden era bodybuilding diet where it's just a pretty high protein pretty you know moderate fat intake during the week and then shifting over to carbohydrate like a cheat day refeed kind of thing on the yeah, weekends so to that, refill well, that way you're not hitting stasis too right, you're not right. your body's not adapting to right. a ketogenic diet which it can do but right. The fact that you hit a refeed, and mm-hmm. you reintroduce those carbohydrates yeah. in there, which get, I'm about to do right now you, because you I just get, did my way in for you, the week. You get, you get your glucose, you get <laughs> right. your glucose spike, your muscles get the glycogen build up. I mean, so your body, I, I, I love that technique, and yeah. it's a great way of being able to. Uh, take advantage of your naturally fasted state while sleeping so right. i guess the one thing that i would look at from considering i obviously the volume is there if not a little bit high so i would look at when you do it mm-hmm. so i would think about shifting my weight training maybe a, a five to ten minutes warm-up cycle and then shift my weight training in and then either directly after the weight training or after your refeed go back because you're not looking at a very high intensity which is perfect a lot of people when they go hit cardio think that they need to run until they're about to fall over and the way we burn fat is we use oxygen to oxidize the fat so if we're again if you wear a heart rate monitor do you or are you just kind of using one on the machine yeah I use the heart rate monitor on the machine and that's only about 135 beats per minute so it's right at the target about 60% we're we're looking between 60 and 70% to get in that heart into that fat burn stage now I know a lot we have uh, there's a couple different ways to look at fat burn and kind of where that goes from a heart percentage there's two 20 minus your age and then doing percentage that's, right and then there's a reserve method which is your resting heart rate minus the max heart rate and the difference it doesn't really matter most people can just get a watch and get an idea but yeah the reason why the fat burn 
stage is there and why it's helpful is that you need to, first of all, you need to, so what you're thinking about when you're doing your cardio Mm -hmm. at 60 to 70% Mm -hmm. is you're still at a conversational pace. Yeah. So you're breathing. You can hear yourself breathe. Right. You could still talk to somebody. Yeah. And that way we're running to 60 to 70%. We're increasing our heart rate. We're increasing, uh, our need, but we're still having enough oxygen left so we can break down fat to use it to burn, mm-hmm. which is the reason why I suggest maybe trying to switch that to after your strength training because that way we get to burn off the ketones. Yeah. We really get to tap into the the fat and to get tap into the fat and the ketones that are in the system mm-hmm. to do our strength training with, and then really kind of drag that out and have that oxidation, that light extended cardio to really pull the most out of it and then you can hit your refeed and then kind of cancel the ketogenic effect so that's a way that you might be able to burn make the most out of it and take what little good because obviously at a fasted state your free energy the cheap carbohydrates aren't there Yeah, but you're also not working out after you've already put in damn near hour or so of Cardio. Well, I have done it the way you're suggesting. Like right. for years, I did this uh, prioritized strength training first, followed by cardio afterwards, like hit cardio, right? Like maybe 30 minutes worth. About a year ago, I started separating those out into separate sessions: uh, tra- mm-hmm. uh, weight training and cardio in the morning, weight training in the evening. Right. So what I'm doing now is cardio in the morning, weight training midday, and that gives me a chance to eat a little something about two hours before training. Just so that I'm not going into a strength training workout with nothing in my body. Just, you know? tr- just well, I found performance-wise, cru- I did those uh, fasted strength training workouts every morning for like an entire year where I was fasting up to 20 hours a day. Okay, wow. Had no drop in energy, nothing uh, like that. Do- you, you were doing the, war- the, I, the warrior war- diet. The warrior, yes. yeah, uh, warrior diet. <laughs> yeah, well, I did it, though. It, it has its upsides, yeah. too. The fact that you're taking most of your calories in in that four hours right. feels really good. Mm-hmm. So, oh, yeah. Especially if you do it in the evening time where you can, it's good for sleep, stuff like yeah. that. But it's yeah, still, I did that. It's a, it's a tough pill to swallow. It's not only a tough pill to swallow. It's a tough thing to get adapted to. It takes a couple of weeks to kind of wrap around that you're not going to fall out. And most people are going to be able to adapt to it. There's some people that really need to be fed more often than yeah. that. But you can still uh, just extend your still, your fasting period from sleep. Even okay. every hour that you extend it past that has potential benefits according to what you're going to do with so, it. So like what I'm doing with diet right now, like I said, I'm, I'm aiming for about 1,800 calories a day during the week. But then on the weekend, with all that influx of carbohydrate, it's actually going to double the calories. And the rationale behind that is if you're just switching out fat for carbs, you're just going to burn the carbs for energy instead of burning fat for energy. Right. If you pour some carbs on top of your standard intake, now you've got a surplus that can actually go towards glycogen storage. The whole point behind that is to just refill the glycogen stores, get ready to train kind of semi-faster to deplete, deplete, deplete over, you know. What you're doing is like a regular version of, say, like somebody that does running and does like a... uh and does a carb refeed. It yeah. really does a true carb cycle, which yeah. you're running yourself all the way out of carbohydrates to where you've got pretty much none left. Mm-hmm. And then when you dump that in, your body's yeah. going to soak in as much of those carbohydrates, the glycogen gets filled up, mm-hmm. and then you're going to have more energy to be able to really get that good workout in or to, and to have that excess. You know, if you're, you're going to be like a giggling schoolgirl when you have all those carbs. Right. But the nice thing, too, is it allows your body to start 
start burning off sugar and kind of hitting that reset. But it's essentially like, you know, carb loading like you would for a race, except you're doing it on a weekly basis, which I think is... Which I think is super. I mean, obviously, you're there with with cardio. You're taking the right approach. You're not doing the rookie mistake of trying to kill yourself. And the feeding seems to be right. I would still take a. I'd still take a look at from a from a quick change standpoint, and yeah. maybe try putting the putting the strength training then the cardio and see if it gives you like even just for a week. Considering yeah. keep just move one variable at a time. A right. lot of time that we like. I need to drop ten pounds, so we tend to change ten things, mm-hmm. and we can't really kind of tell what what works and what doesn't. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's uh, people that have like extreme food allergies. They'll put them on. Uh, a, a diet that has basically like meat, yeah, and then they'll add in like wheat one week. They'll add in dairy the next week. When you're looking um, for food allergies, so they can yeah. figure out what's causing you trouble. And a lot of times, when we want to change up our diets and we want to change up our routine, we change too many tam- things at one time to where we either one good. You don't know what's working. Yeah, you right? don't know what's working. You don't know what's failing, and you don't know what, what's necessarily offsetting one versus the other. So mm-hmm. I would start maybe changing. See if see if changing the workout and the cardio okay. as one thing because it, it's super sound the way you're going about it, but does it make a difference, yay or nay? If it doesn't right. make a difference, then it's more personal preference. If it does make a difference, well, there's your body will adapt to it. But if we're talking about four months, then yeah. that may be enough to tilt it without having to do a whole lot different, just reorganizing. Because when you look at the other things, so when we look at the factors of his other composition, like. Uh, Total body water, so how mm-hmm. hydrated you are. Yeah, sixty-two and a half percent. The a, a athletic male should be between fifty-five and sixty-five percent. Mm-hmm. So your internal cellular water at eighty-three pounds is super. Okay. The external cellular water that, and and what that means is how hydrated you can be. Mm-hmm. So muscle seventy percent water, fats ten percent water. So if you think of your fat as a sponge, uh-huh. you can. A sponge is going to hold some water, but the rest of it's going to fall out. If you right. think of your muscle as a water, a small water balloon, it's going to hold more. So the more muscle you have, in this case, 162 pounds of muscle, that's 70 percent water. Yeah. Your 30, per, but your 30 pounds of fat's only 10 percent water. So we're at 30 pounds of fat is still only holding three pounds of water. So okay. that's going to be the extracellular water, which is a good sign of both how well your composition is mm-hmm. and then when we compare that to the total body water that extracellular water anything below 40% is considered to be good you're at 33% so that means that you've got a very low level of inflammation so yeah. your body is really not, it's, it's not just it's not just it's not just water that we're looking at either so it's your ability to take in the fluids yeah. and all your nutrition that you're taking in and to get that into the cells. So it's not just getting the water into the cells, it's getting the nutrients, your macros and micronutrients, and getting that into the cell. So it's really taking what you're bringing in from your feeding standpoint right. and then being able to fuel the body. From your BMR, which is yeah. your basal metabolic rate, uh-huh. so oh, yeah. at 20, you're slightly into the more active category, which just means that your metabolism, the internal furnace is working, your body's burning as many calories, your, it doesn't feel like, it knows that it's going to get good, healthy, nutritious meals yeah. and get it regularly, so it's not trying to conserve energy like you were trying to hibernate, mm-hmm. and it's not jacked up so much to where it's eviscerating every single one of your calories and not leaving you anything to repair your muscles after you work out, so it's really in a good spot, okay. and at 2200 calories, 2225 exactly, mm-hmm. that's going to be roughly 70% of your caloric burn, so right now, your body burning 70% of your caloric burn is really 
putting you in advantage to be able to be in a deficit without having to take that deficit from lack of food or increased cardio. So your body is working in your favor because you've taught it to work in your head. You haven't starved it. You've given it, given it nutrient-dense food, so calories that have benefits, that has the macro and micronutrients to be able to build it up versus some empty calories like you could drink 2,000 calories worth of soda. Yeah. You're still hungry. But you still have calories, right. so you're, you've kind of tra- you've you've trained it and fed it better. So now yeah. it's treating you well. So to me, the empty calories would be like maybe some peanut butter or something like that. But still, you got healthy fats, you got healthy saturated fats. Your brain roughly takes up like seventy percent of all of your fats to be able to. It, it's a fat hog of right. mine. So your brains, your hormones, your ability to take in fat soluble vitamins. So your A, D, E, and K vitamins. They absorb into your body and they and they process like a fat. So without having dietary fat, when you're taking in those vitamins, you're yeah. going to be at a vitamin deficiency. So it's still you know it, while it is you know fat being you know your is exponentially more calories than uh, your protein. So nine calories per gram versus four for carbohydrates and protein. It definitely has a benefit, and especially considering you're running more of a ketogenic, you need those fats because you don't want to be at a huge calorie deficit because then our body thinks we're starving it. Mm-hmm. So before we realize it, so leptin is uh, leptin is your full hormone right. that's okay. released by your fat cells. So it lets your it, it, so once it feeds and your fat cells get released, it releases leptin, lets your brain know you're full. Mm-hmm. Now ghrelin is released by your stomach and it lets you know you're hungry. So a lot of things that are going on in our body are going to be happening kind of behind the scenes. It's all chemical reactions, and by the time we get around to feeling hungry or full, mm-hmm. then you know that's we've already gone through many processes. So a lot of it is kind of a delayed lag reaction out of this. So the fact that you're processing in, you know, you know, I'm going to fill my calories in with some peanut butter, which is high in fat. Well, right. then I know I'm not going to be running a deficit here, which mm-hmm. is super. Yeah. And then your visceral fat rating, which is so you have subcutaneous fat, which is the fat between your muscle and your skin. That's the stuff that we can see and we can grab. The visceral fat is underneath the muscle, and it's what surrounds our organs. It's a seven. Obviously, per, ideally, we'd like that to be within the decade we live in. So for you, that would be between a four and a five. The same thing for me. Mm-hmm. Yours is at a seven. It's a little high, but we don't really get to... Out of your 30 pounds of fat that you have, which is spectacular, by the way, the ideal range on that is between 21 to 47. Okay. Via Tanita, which About is... right in the middle. Yeah, well, you're right... on the lower side. Well, you're on the lower side. Of, you're on the, substantially on the lower side of the middle. You're on the lower third. Yeah, okay. But you don't really get to choose what percentage of fat is stored between your skin and your muscle and what's right. below your muscle. Right. Generally speaking, when we gain fat, we gain a little bit of both. When we lose fat, we lose a bit of both. But you don't really have a way of getting rid of visceral fat and having it not affect your subcutaneous fat. So I wouldn't be overly concerned about that, providing that the overall fat mass is you know in a favorable direction, or in your case, a very favorable direction. So I wouldn't really care so much about that. Yeah. Uh, so when we break it down, I'm looking at muscle mass, and what we're looking for here is mostly symmetry. So uh, the way this breaks it down is you have 85 pounds in, of muscle, lean muscle mass in your trunk. So that includes your back muscles, chest muscles, and abdomen, and of course, head and neck, which doesn't carry a bunch of muscle. 
and that's above average. And so then we break down our left and the right arm, left and right leg, and we're looking for something close to symmetry. So left arm is 10, well, I'm going to round the numbers, 10.5 pounds of muscle in the left arm, 11 pounds in the right. So obviously there's, it, it says, well, hey, you know, we have more muscle in our right arm than our left. But when you start looking at a half a pound in regards to 10.5 and, and 11, yeah. that's not a huge variance. Now, just because we're all built the same does not mean that we're going to you know, react the same. It doesn't mean that our muscles are going to be in stasis. There's nothing that says you won't gain or lose 0.2, 0.4 pounds this week, all according to fluctuation. So we're going to have a little bit of fluctuation. So I don't get concerned about muscle difference between right and left until we get well over a pound. Okay. And that's just because I don't want you to have a weak or underdeveloped. Obviously, you know how to train yourself unilaterally with each arm and then using both arms together, mm-hmm. but a lot of people don't or they're going to get a knee-jerk reaction to this. So generally speaking, we're very rarely are we going to be exactly symmetrical, unlike your legs, which oddly enough at 26.8 specifically are perfectly symmetrical. So as long as we're in the ballpark, we're in good shape because we don't want to have a weak leg and a strong leg and then we we kind of get to catch a favorite because that right. usually ends up leading to a good and a bad leg and like I tell people like you can't afford to have a bad leg you only have the two right well that strength and balance <laughs> can lead to injury over time oh. too if you get overdeveloped on one side or the oh, other oh absolutely and both from your ability to trust that other leg mm-hmm. so if I know that my right leg's two pounds less then I don't trust it now I have a perceived weakness mm-hmm. or even if you don't have a perceived weakness you can most of the time when we have to do extreme things like move out out of the way of an oncoming car, mm-hmm. a little toddler running down the hallway that comes around the corner at you. You don't have a lot of time to plan, so your weaknesses will show up. And you're, you're a lot. Most of the time, when we get injured, it's by surprise. It's a knee-jerk reaction. It's something that we had to do quickly. It didn't have to plan. And so, you know, being set up solidly, that's going to keep us long-term away from unnecessary injury. Injury is almost unavoidable as part of living life, but we can pretty much safeguard ourselves against unnecessary injury. And lastly, when we look over at body fat, I mean... Body fat, the good news is when you lose fat or gain I'm fat. Visceral yeah, fat. The vis- well, the visceral fat are in, in, oh, in, oh, the, in oh, the, percentages. Same, okay. in the same quadrants between yeah. right and left leg and arms right. and then the trunk. It's more of information only. Again, we don't get to choose where our body fat comes off of. Like, right. I remember when I was making my big weight loss from 300 pounds to a buck 90, the left side of my belly really didn't drop much fat. Yeah. But my right side seemed to be losing it. So when I looked down, it was like <laughs> my belly was taking a right the it was whole like way. Lopsided. Yeah, it was lopsided. There's no symmetry. Wow. It, your body takes it from wherever it comes from. And huh. yes, if you keep, and I kept grinding away at it, yeah. and, and the left side caught up, which wow. is a great message for anybody that's really starting their weight loss journey. Yeah. Is that just because the body weight and the fat starts dropping off and it's not symmetrical and it looks kind of weird, mm-hmm. if you don't like where your body fat is, keep doing what you're doing, keep dropping the body fat, and symmetry will come. But if you're a guy, yeah. you're going to have fat around your love handles. You're going to have fat around your, your abdomen. That's going to be the last place it's going to leave. So I want you yeah. to think. Like, if you stored it in your arm... Very inefficient. Okay. Your body would, but you got to think your midsection it twists, it bends, and it doesn't do much else. It's the most logical, efficient place for your body to store body fat. 
So that's where it's going to lose it last because it's going to be the easiest place for it to keep it. It's the cheapest place for it to keep it. It's like you know, renting a renting a storage building at U-Haul or going up to Buckhead and renting an apartment to store your extra stuff. Okay. Which one's going to be cheaper? Right. Well, for your body, it's your midsection. So, so you're looking great. Thanks. I appreciate that. I'm going to go ahead and cut it short here. That's about all the time we got. Uh, so I'm going to take your thanks, advice. Thanks for letting me. Sure. Well, and I'm going to I'm going to take your exciting. advice to move, manipulate one variable at a time. Right, right. Try moving strength training and cardio together in one session again, just to see what difference that makes. Yeah. If people are wanting to find you online, you have uh, any contact information you want to give out. If people uh, want to do online coaching uh, or work, work uh, with you one on one here in the Atlanta actually, area, I'd like them to come on into Noonan and see us at One Life. So it's Danny okay. Vale at uh, OneLifeFitness.com. Okay. That's uh, cool. easy way to find yeah, you. Yeah. Easy way to find me here at the gym. This okay. is uh, this is what I do: strength training, body recomposition, uh, injury prevention. Kind of, awesome. I'm here to, to help and encourage. So, All right. but well, thanks, thanks for picking the numbers apart. Uh, I'm going to run them by you again in a week and see what kind of changes we've made. Uh, you're going to be on point. My All man. right, appreciate it. All right, Danny Vale, everybody. If you like that guest, let me know, and we will get him back on for a future episode kind of put a bug in his ear about maybe even co-hosting with me for a few uh, episodes just to see how that goes. So just let me know in the comments if you like having Danny on the show and we will keep sending out more valuable information your way to help you be your absolute best. Thanks for listening.